All right, Father Jonathan, we are in the midst of Lent. Here we are. Yeah, so two weeks down and what, like four more to go? Um, something like that. Five more? Yeah, now? yes. Oh, no, two, yeah. four more. So we just finished the second Sunday of Lent, which was the Transfiguration. Transfiguration. How'd that go? Did you get a chance to preach? I did. Um, I, ask, I ask you that every week, but I think that you preach every week. I know so. you do, and I do. Uh, I I preached one and a half times this weekend. Uh, what? How is that possible? Well, so we had an event at my uh, second mass. An unexpected event. Yeah, one of our uh, the elders of the church um, has been sick and he fainted. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it was super scary. So we called an ambulance and got everything. You know, it was it was a weird moment. This was a first for me. Uh, it was a weird moment because you know, obviously, you want to take care of, take care of this guy. We want to get everything going, but then you look around and like everybody's just watching. <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, Did no one rush to him? To oh no, him? no, no! Not like just watching him fall over. No, it, he was being taken care of. But like, it just became kind of the spectacle. Mm, you know, the yeah. the first responders came over and they were doing their thing, and this is all in the front row of the church. So like, it's not unavoidable (laughs) what part of mass was it so he started to feel bad at the gospel i saw him sit down as i was proclaiming and then as soon as i started my homily uh, he fainted oh my goodness so what i ended up doing was i mean we took care of him the ambulance came they took him away Um, he's doing well though by the way Mm -hmm. i just talked to his brother Mm -hmm. Um, good good so when i went back up to like try to get things back on track (laughs) it was hard i mean i didn't really know how to Mm -hmm. do it right but what i ended up doing was saying look folks this first of all i thank them there was sort of a spontaneous rosary that started while the paramedics were there wow yeah it was cool so i said thank you for praying we are going to continue praying because that's the best thing that we can do um Mm. and i i kind of turned it on the gospel and said look when Jesus says to the apostles, rise and do not be afraid, uh, this is literally where the rubber hits the road. Like, are we going to let something like this um, keep us from praying, hmm. from doing what we're called to do as Christians? Or is this going to be, f- in a sense, I don't want to objectify anything, but like, is this going to be fuel for that um, and trusting in the hope of the resurrection, which is all about the readings? Um, nice, so, nice. And it was just cool. a short little little fervorino thing because I didn't want to. It just seemed it didn't seem the right time to give the homily that I had prepared. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, I think it's a good example of it's not about you exactly. Yeah, right. So like, I could imagine like having prepared something, you could be like, "Well, I put in a lot of work into this, so I, <laughs> you're, so I'm gonna you're, do it. you're gonna listen to me. Yeah, you're gonna listen to me, even though yeah. you know." Uh, no, that's good. That's good. I ask you all the time if you preach because I always forget that <laughs> priests preach all the yeah. time. I, as a deacon, I only preach every every so uh-huh. often. Did you get to preach um, this weekend? I yeah, I did. I did. I got to preach at the parish here in Madrid, where I get to go every week, and it was great. I it was one of those weeks where I just I just knew what I wanted to say, you know. And it was yeah. just like sometimes this happens to me where. I don't need to write anything down. I wrote down like one sentence on my phone while I was walking into the church of like what I wanted to say. And then I just got up there and I preached. And I felt really comfortable and very confident. Um, 
yeah, and I felt really good. And it was short. And I'm finding that the more that I preach, the more comfortable I am with just like a five to seven minute homily. Mm-hmm. And like, that's totally fine. Like, yeah, that's what I try to do. If it gets... If it gets to like eight minutes, I start sweating. Like my body just kind of knows, you know, that like... Why are you going so long? I've been going... Yeah. And I think that's okay. Like in my younger days, I used to talk very long-windedly. And so I I appreciate having more brevity. Um, I focused on something that we didn't talk about on the show last week. But I did focus on Peter. Uh, I pointed out how the the first Sunday of Lent and the second Sunday of Lent go together that you have the desert and then you have the mountain yeah. and how that's a parallel to Good Friday and to Easter Sunday. Um, and so I talked about how the transfiguration is like the resurrection, but I focused on how Peter is not wanting to leave. But instead of saying that he's focusing on wanting to stay in this, in this like moment of epiphany, he's wanting to, and maybe this is a little bit fringe, but... He sees Moses and Elijah, and also I mentioned this last week, I think, he wants to set up tents. So he, mm-hmm. he I think, is stuck in the old ways, yeah, in the old law. He's stuck with Moses and Elijah and the old way of worship. And the resurrection is a challenge to be open to new ways, what God is doing new in my life. So that was what the whole homily was about, was what is God doing new in my life? And am I open to that, or am I holding on to old mm, ways? Yeah, I like um, that. I like that. There is a line in the... I'm going to try to pull it up here without taking too much time. Let me just do a command F for Lent. There's a line in the preface, though, that kind of speaks to that. The one from uh, the Transfiguration? Uh, Yeah. Uh, Man, why is this so hard to navigate? I don't have Lent marked. I should have done this before. I wasn't even thinking about it. Keep going, though, while I find this. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, it's all to say that I, for me, the focus was on we weren't given the gospel for the resurrection, but uh-huh. we were asked to think about God's glory right. and the glory of Jesus. And so we'd be thinking about the very human Peter holding on to old ways and how in the in the resurrection, Jesus is inviting us to new ways. But then, you know, calling us to mission to go down the mountain mm-hmm. after having experienced the newness of the resurrection. And so just challenging myself and challenging the faithful to ask, how is the Lord challenging you? with new things. What old things are you holding on to that God is calling you to let go of? Um, Habits, sins, whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Um, You know, it's interesting that it's, that we often think of that and we've, we've spoken about it a couple of times in our, um, uh, here about how, you know, Jesus is not the, the new law, but the fulfillment of the law or he is the new law, but yeah, didn't come to abolish. And that line in the, um, in the preface is that, his manifestation, his transfiguration, and those who join him is to show, and this is the quote, even by the testimony of the law and the prophets, that the passion leads to the glory of the resurrection. Oh, totally. So it's not totally. just Jesus kind of coming and saying, okay, well, we do this now. And here's where you did it wrongly in the past. And here's where we're going to do it right, the right way. But saying, going from that, from the testimony of the law and the prophets, here's the fulfillment of that. Right, right. Yeah. And are you, Peter, are you open to that? Yeah, newness, exactly, you know? exactly. So it is a newness, but not a break. N- yeah, no, totally. Well, cool. Uh, so continuing with our Lenten theme, uh, we have a bit of a break, I guess, with the, uh, the readings because we go into the baptism cycle uh, for the end of Lent. So we have the next three Sundays 
what were you saying last week is like water sight and then the resurrection of lazarus yeah um yeah so we have those readings coming up and so this sunday we have the first of those which is the woman at the well um yeah so what what do you got so we had exodus and we had the <laughs> woman at the well what yeah. do you think you know and the it's i i love the book of exodus i love the old testament um but the the uh, the story of the stories surrounding the Exodus, I just find to be so rich, because it's it's full of f- failure and misunderstanding, <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and I find that to be incredibly um, comforting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That I don't have to have it all all together all the time. Totally. totally. Uh, and you know this this story of the, why did you ever make us leave Egypt? Was it just to have mm-hmm. us die here of thirst? <laughs> like, man, yeah. that's oh, hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, right, do we right. do we leave what's comforting, even what's comforting, even though it's oppressive, or do we seek the hard path of freedom, which puts so much more responsibility on us and causes us right. to have to trust so much more? Right. Um, and then on the flip side of that, do we blame God when things don't go right? You know, when things don't go comfortably for us in the desert, do we then right. turn to Moses or turn to God and say, why did you bring us here? We would have rather be slaves in mm-hmm. Egypt. Yeah. I mean, that's a challenge, I think, for me to think about, like, I kind of going back to what we were saying about newness and oldness. It's like, it's painful to let go of old ways. And sometimes there's a lot of uncertainty when God calls me into a new path or a new a new phase of my life. And it's like, God, why did you do this? Like things are <laughs> yeah. going so well. Like when I move, when I move communities or when I move assignments, they can be hard to let go, you know. And I would have been much happier if I'd just been in this other place. But and then I turn it to God and I blame Him. But it's like, wait a minute, <laughs> that's right, that's right. How dare you do this, God? <laughs> well, and I think that's yeah, what we see it, in the gospel as well. Like with that, with that interesting interaction between um, Jesus, the Samaritan woman, and then the disciples who are criticizing Him mm. for talking to this woman. It's like, don't you know mm-hmm. who we are and what we do and what we don't do? It's like, well, yeah, I think Jesus has a pretty good idea. <laughs> and this is exactly <laughs> what he's trying to get you to see. Um, yeah. But we have to be, to uh, to pull in the psalm, we have to allow our hearts not to be hardened when we hear that mm. when we hear that voice. Okay, so... It's a lot. <laughs> here, here, well, so here's something interesting that you kind of drew me to. Uh, I was noticing a lot. You said... To not let our hearts be hardened. That's not what it says. Harden not your hearts. Um, so that's different because one is passive voice oh, and sure. one is active yeah, yeah, yeah. voice. Harden, and, and we're actively hardening our hearts. Right. And that's different because there's a passive voice where don't let your heart be hardened because you see that in Pharaoh and Exodus mm-hmm. where his heart was hardened or God hardened his heart. Mm-hmm. In in the responsorial psalm, it's don't close yourself off to him. Mm. It's you. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the reason I, I wanted to focus on that passive and active is because I saw it a lot in the letter to the Romans, mm-hmm. um, which is our second reading. So I was really struck by that first stanza, since we have been justified, passive yeah. voice, though whom we have gained access by faith, passive voice. So the two things that God does for us are justification and gaining access to to God. So salvation is an act of God for us. There's a passive act. But then there's an active voice at the end. And so we give praise and have boasting and hope, mm-hmm. you know, of the glory of God. So the the agency on my part is to give glory to God. So I I erupt in thanksgiving and glory 
you know, for having been given such a wonderful gift. And I just think about that as a wonderful like tie in as well with the gospel, because, you know, he who drinks of this water will have water welling up in him for eternal life. It's like salvation comes from Jesus, you know, not from me. Mm-hmm. And he gives and I receive, you know, there's the passive act there that's important. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that a lot. Um, I was giving this talk on hope recently, and one of the things that really struck me in my preparations for it was um, the dictionary definition says something to the effect of, and we, we, like, we wish that the thing that we hope in is true. Um, and I thought, man, that's such, uh, that's too passive, <laughs> kind of going on what you're saying. Like, we expect that what God has told to us is true. We expect right. that that hope has been given. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. of what has already been given. It's and it's it's an expectation for the future, but it's also a trust that what has happened, baptism um, being the big one, it is efficacious. It is true. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So we, as St. Paul says, we can boast in hope and hope does not disappoint. Mm-hmm. Um now, I will say, so we haven't mentioned this yet, but I, if I were to zoom out and think about what I want to preach on this week, I don't get a, th- a chance to preach this week, I think. But if I were to preach, for me, my big focus, I think, this week would be on the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Um, because, you know, maybe not to force too much the trilogy of Good Friday, Easter Sunday, and now there's a lot of mentioning here of the Holy Spirit as sort of a foretaste of what might come at Pentecost. But I think that we relegate the Holy Spirit to Pentecost, which is not fair, because the Holy Spirit is pervasive throughout John's Gospel and other parts of the New Testament, where it's clear here in the letter of the Romans, the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. But then also you have the water that I shall give shall be a spring that wells up to eternal life, and it's been poured into their hearts that they may worship in spirit and truth. Mm -hmm. Like... Like, it's about the life in the spirit, not the life. Like, even even here what he says, that you won't worship on this mountain or in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. but you're going to worship in spirit. Mm. That connects back to the transfiguration. Right. It's not on Mount Tabor. It's not on Mount Zion. It's in the spirit. So life in the spirit is what this is all about. Mm-hmm. So after the resurrection, we're given the spirit so you may live and worship in the world, in the spirit, and in truth. Um, so I don't know. There's something about... The connection between water and the spirit, both of them being poured out, and then the obvious connection there to baptism. So I think that we we focus too quickly on the water, but we forget that the spirit is what we are receiving, yeah. right, in baptism. So yeah, I don't know. No, I, like I want to focus there a little bit. No, I think that's that's a really good point, and and you're totally right. We do overlook the Holy Spirit quite often. It's kind of a hard thing to preach on, or it mm-hmm. may not be. It's just that we don't do it, right. Right. But see, here's the, the, the funny thing is that we are in the age of Pentecost, right? Like right. we're not in the age of the earthly ministry of Jesus. We're not in the age of the prophets or the Mosaic law. We're in the age of the Holy Spirit. Like we're in a post-Pentecost church, right? right? We're in the age of the church and the church was founded at Pentecost. Right. And so I think it's important for us to And it's fueled by that. the Holy Spirit. And so our life right now is one in a post-resurrection, but also post-Pentecost. We've received the Spirit. And so I think it's important for us to preach about that, that when when we think about our role in the world, we've received the Holy Spirit. So I think, I think that there's not just the connection of baptism here with water and that the catechumens will receive the Spirit. 
but we have received the Holy Spirit as well. And Jesus is judging the mountain of worship and Jerusalem is saying, you will not worship on that mountain or in Jerusalem. You will worship in spirit and truth, which is the church. Right. Like we, we live in the world. We're living in the world. There's no physical place where God now dwells. We worship in the spirit. You know, I don't know. I can go on about the spirit, yeah. but like, I think there's something there well, and to highlight. Consider what we said a couple of weeks ago, that these, maybe even the journey of Lent is while it's designed in some sense to be um, the entryway of of uh, of the catechumen, of those entering into the church, it's still for us a recollection of our own journey of faith, of how it begins right. and how we it culminates in baptism. So I think mm-hmm. I think well, all of that is to say, I think that's a really good point that we don't often think about that this is still our journey of baptism, of life, of newness. Yeah. Like how do we... And life and how, in the spirit. Right. Yeah. And how does that constantly re... Not necessarily reinvent itself, but how does that uh, reinvigor, invigorate our lives to be mm-hmm. constantly mm-hmm. being moved, being changed, being growing in the spirit. Right. Oh, totally. Because and it I think has been maybe given, the... we now yeah. can flourish in it. And I think one phrase in the gospel that could be really helpful for a homily is the water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Mm. Like that means it's living water. Mm -hmm. It's not just you were baptized in stagnant water. You have been given living water inside of you. And that living water, as St. Paul says in Romans, is the Holy Spirit. So because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts, that language of pouring in, God, in Paul is reminiscent of pouring water over the catechumen. So the spirit is poured out like water is poured out yeah. of a jug. You know, but it's not water that was just poured on our heads. It created a spring of new life that wells up to eternal life. So how are we constantly being refreshed, mm-hmm. you know, and living our life in the newness of the spirit every time we receive communion every time we go to confession, you know, anytime that we practice the works of mercy, anytime that we love and forgive. I don't know. And that's all there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So something we haven't really touched on, but I'm actually kind of curious as to your thoughts on this. So this is a really long gospel. Oh yeah, Um, totally. And, you know, it's, uh, I hate to say it's explicit in what it's saying, but it kind of, tells the story pretty good on its own. Mm-hmm. So what's the role of the homily for a reading like this, where it's long mm-hmm. and it's pretty self-explanatory? Yeah, I think the role of the homilist is to focus. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Because, so uh, as I think you would agree, I'm I'm not going to read the short version. Right. I'm going to read the long version. Right. Um and I think this is true every Sunday, but in particular with the long gospel, I think we have the entire chapter. I think it's the entire chapter of the fourth chapter of John. Five through um, 42, chapter four. Yeah. And, yeah. And I think that my role is to help, like any good teacher, is to help focus where is the important mm. and the salient, uh, the salient parts of this. And I, yeah, I think that it's it's a bit of a like punting moment when <laughs> homeless go up there and they say like, oh, well, the homily, the, the gospel speaks for itself. Yeah. It's like, well... Right, but it's not just dead <laughs> texts. It's it's a living text, sure. and you know, break open the word, like you say. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think it's how can you focus this for the congregation mm. because they're going to hear this and be like, "Wow, that's a lot of stuff." What where do I need to focus my attention? Right, right, right. Um, do you think it's um, 
Do you think you would change the length of your homily to accommodate for a long reading? Um, yeah, that's a that's a good question, probably for you, uh, <laughs> just because because you you prepare like written out yeah, your homily. Yeah. I like I don't do that. So like for me, I just kind of go by what <laughs> what I'm feeling in the moment. So it's kind of hard to know how much control mm-hmm. I have over myself mm. <laughs> while I'm up there. Yeah. Um, how about <laughs> you? When Spirit. you prepare, would yeah, yeah. With you, would you sort of prepare for a shorter homily? Yeah, I mean, that's my inclination. That's probably what I'm going to do. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily the right thing to do, but I I get I get uncomfortable when I become the or like when oh well I'll just use a shorter Eucharistic prayer so I can preach longer. Like that's not really oh, no, I hate that. yeah that's yeah, not yeah. really what I yeah. want to be about. So right right it's not really about me and yeah. But I totally, I totally agree with what you proportion. said. It's, it's a it's a focus, and I think that can mm-hmm. be done in few words. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Um, for what it's worth, too, just one last, maybe last thought for me. Uh, I find it interesting that we cut off the reading in Exodus before Moses hits the rock. I don't think he actually hits the rock. In yeah. This. Well, that's because um, that's not a great uh, great moment for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but see, that's kind of that's kind of an interesting decision, an editorial decision, because that's where he doubts. Yeah. So the the focus of this story is not on Moses; it's on what God, what is, God doing. is doing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so, like, if they had given us the rest of the chapter, we would have gotten Moses doubting in God, um, which changes the focus completely. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's um, interesting. Anyway, any parting thoughts from you? Uh, no. Go pray. All right, man. Sounds good. Till next time. All right. All right, dude. Peace.